think upon these words that have been read, these stories that have been told. Guide us. Guide our hearts and minds as we consider what you would have of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Every year, I believe each of us has stories of the season. And I, I got to tell you, for me and my family, there's stories of uh, my son making it here from um, Tokyo. And tomorrow, he and I are going to fly down to, to Los Angeles to meet my other son, who's there from Pittsburgh. And my daughter, uh, she's been trying the last few days to fulfill her plans of going from New York City to Buffalo that's not going too well. Um, but I'm also going to remember the last 24 hours of uh, pipes bursting and getting calls and hearing that we need to cancel the service and uh, sending those messages out. And then people gathering here far and, from far and wide with stories of just getting here and uh, and then figuring out, no, we can... We can put a path forward in which we can have a service. Uh, but part of that is going to be having to have somebody around the building. And then I'm going to remember being here in the middle of the night uh, on my own in the quiet and wandering the building and reading scripture in my office, uh, fin finishing out my year in scripture because I had some extra time and uh, feeling the peace of God. And feeling like, despite all the stories, all the activities, all the expectations, because Christmas always comes, seems to come with expectations of, you know, what should I give this person, or what can I make, or sh should we have people over, or how do we schedule everything, and and uh, what do I wear, all of it, and 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 even, what does God expect of us, when we come to church? What, what can we bring that would be worthy of that which we are coming to celebrate? But then we hear the story, this story. And we know that all the stories that are Christmas stories are only Christmas stories because they point to this story. The story of the one who's come and who, whose story is the heart of all stories. The story of God's heart and his greatest desire, his, his quest. God's greatest desire, what he wants from us, is just to be with us. Just so that we could be with him. That's been his desire the whole time. The, the whole story from the beginning and, and before. We see God at the very beginning walking with us, with Adam and Eve in the garden, or looking for them. The rest of the Old Testament is God calling a people to himself and trying, showing them uh, what it takes, what the expectations are, so that they could be with him. But it turns out our own efforts to be with him in his holiness to be that good, it's, it's beyond us. We can't go to be with him because we are not worthy. 
by our own efforts. Yet he still, he still just longs to be with us. So much so that he came to be with us and gave himself so that we could be with him. Soren Kierkegaard, the the Danish philosopher of another era, tells a tale to help us understand what it meant for Jesus to come. It's the story of the cost of his love. It's the story about a, a king and a maiden. Suppose there was a king who loved a humble maiden. The king was like no other king. Every statesman trembled before his power. No one dared breathe a word against him, for he had the strength to crush all opponents. And yet this king was melted by love for a humble maiden who lived in a poor village in his, in his kingdom. How could he declare his love for her? You see the dilemma? In an odd sort of way, his kingliness tied his hands. If he brought her to the palace and crowned her head with jewels and clothed her body with royal robes, she would, she would surely not resist. No one dared resist him. But would she love him? She would say she loved him, of course, but, but would she truly? Or would she live with him in fear, nursing a private grief for the life, the life that she had left behind? Would she be happy by his side? How could, how could he ever know for sure? If he rode to her forest cottage in his royal cottage with an armed escort waving bright, waving bright banners, that too would overwhelm her. He did not want a cringing subject. He wanted a lover, an, an equal. He wanted, he wanted her to forget that he was a king and she was a humble maiden and to let love cross the gulf between them. For it's only in love that the unequal can be made equal. The king, convinced Convinced he could not elevate the maiden without crushing her freedom, resolved to descend to her. And so, clothed as a beggar, he approached her cottage with a worn cloak fluttering loose about him. But this was not just a disguise. The king took on a totally new identity. He had renounced his throne to declare his love and to win hers. That's our story. Now he has come. In a fashion that we never could have anticipated, ever expected, he has come. Who could have known when when he came that his glory would look like this. He's helpless, newborn child, given to displaced parents who are staying in a barn. And this just-born child is wrapped in and put in a manger, a, a feeding trough, 
Yet, yet a chorus of angels sing. It's, it's too much to just say it. It, it has to be sung. They, they sing what they can see, what they know in this child. Glory to God in the highest. He's still here in the, in the stories tonight. We know and hear and see his presence and work. God has come. Emmanuel. God with us. God is here with us. And tonight, especially tonight, we see his glory. God is with us and we see his glory. And and he did not come so that emperors or kings would shudder in fear. He came that, that some lowly shepherds. And so that you and I in this church years later could see him, see what he's done for us, and know know now what it is he wants from us, what the expectations are. They're not fancy dress. They're not wonderful music, though I love the wonderful music. They're not doing everything perfectly. What he wants from us is just to love him, just to love him, It's not a glory of sheer power. Yet he holds more power than we could ever conceive. His glory is something different. It is a glory of a power set aside for us. To be with us in love. It is a glory of love and power together. In this child. And the angels sing his glory. And the wonderful thing about tonight is we get to come and sing with the angels and echo their song. And so we come and we worship. I invite us as we continue our worship, we will um, Sing after I pray, we'll sing Silent Night, and right from there we'll go into a time of offering, and we'll pass the plates, but rather than a doxology following the offering, we will invite you to participate together in a litany of Christmas. It's uh, written on the back of your bulletins, you can follow it there, I believe it'll be on the board as well. And we'll go right through that, and then as in essence the doxology I'm guessing Matt's going to have you stand up because you wouldn't want to sit down singing Joy to the World. Uh, so let's, uh, let's come and continue our worship and begin it with prayer. Let's pray. Lord, amidst all the expectations of this season and all the, all the activities and then all the surprises, all the things going on and the busyness, and also, Lord, amidst all the joys, the hopes, and the fears, amidst the grief and the loss and what is missing, amidst all of it, Lord, help us to see you and know exactly what it is you want from us and that it's not a, a, a perfect 
tree with all the ornaments in the right place. It's not all those expectations that we put upon ourselves and each other. What you want for us is to see your love for us and to love you. God, we stand amazed at the way that you have come to us, calling us merely to love you and to fulfill that greatest of command, to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, help us to see you and to love you tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.